I don't know why I always have to come up after these. It's not fair. Not fair. Um, as we've said, this is the second week of our series, which we're calling Letter to Our Younger Self. And in some ways, it's self. It's six weeks at the beginning of the year, and we're looking at six different characters in the Bible and kind of imagining if this person had an opportunity to write a, a, a letter and pass down wisdom and lessons to their younger selves, uh, what would they say? What wisdom would they, they pass down to help their younger selves become who they are today? So we've been hearing from people in the congregation, and then uh, we started last week hearing about and imagining about specific Bible characters. Last week, we kicked it off with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and today we get to focus on Moses. How many of you are familiar with Moses? Moses is like one of the most famous of all Bible characters. And in fact, across uh, some of the major religions in uh, Judaism and Christianity and even Islam, Moses is one of the biggest and most important characters in each of those religions. In uh, the, the Jewish tradition and in the Christian tradition, uh, Moses is even credited with having written the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, um, which is a little bit interesting when you actually read the books because they not only include his life story, but they include the story of his death and things that happen after his death, but he is supposed to have written them. Anyways, we won't go into that. He's a really big and important character, and his story begins in the second book of the Bible, in the book of Exodus. So Exodus, uh, just even if you're familiar with it, just kind of rehash it for you, uh, and if you're not familiar with it, to kind of bring you up to speed. The book of Exodus opens with the, the people of Israel, which was the family of a man named Jacob. Jacob's name was then turned to Israel, as uh, Israel meaning one who struggles with God. The family of Jacob, or Israel, all of his sons and their families have made their way to Egypt because there was a famine in their homeland. So they made their way down to Egypt to try to find relief from that famine. And when they got there, who they found was uh, their brother Joseph, Joseph of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. Joseph is there, and he's one of the leaders of Egypt, and he welcomes his family and allows them to, to settle in and find relief. And over the years, suddenly the, the, the family of Jacob, the family of Israel, kind of made a life for themselves in Egypt. Well, generations pass, and what often happens, unfortunately, even here in 2024, is some of the local people start feeling threatened by the immigrants. And this happens in Egypt, and suddenly a, a king comes in into authority. This new pharaoh comes up who has no memory of Joseph, no memory of Jacob before him, um, and he's hearing these rumblings of, of the people of Egypt saying, if we don't do something about these Israelites, they're going to take over. We need to do something about this. So this new pharaoh actually does something to, to deal with the Israelites, and he puts them into slavery, puts them into hard labor, and this is suddenly no longer a comfortable home for them, and they cry out to God for relief. Uh, one of the things that Pharaoh also does during this time, though, to make sure their numbers don't continue to increase is he, he goes out and he instructs that every boy that is born among the Israelites is supposed to be taken and thrown into the Nile River 
truly heinous type of stuff, right? Well, this is the environment into which Moses is born. In some respects, Moses is a product of his time and also comes to define his time because he is born into injustice and oppression, and yet he comes to define justice and liberation. So he is born in this time when all of the baby boys are being thrown into the river. Somehow his his mom hides him for those first three months. But when he's no longer able to be hidden, it comes to the point where she has to do something or he is also going to be taken from her. Uh, She weaves together a basket and then places him in the Nile River. He makes his way down the Nile River, and as the story goes, he gets picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh's daughter decides to raise Moses as her own. No matter where he came from, she's, he is now going to be raised as an, an Egyptian. Even as he's being raised in a, as an Egyptian, though, he still has that uh, Israelite identity somehow in his bones, even if he doesn't fully recognize it himself. But it all comes to a head one day when uh, he, he's growing older and he's out in the fields and he sees an Egyptian man uh, whipping uh, some of the Israelite slaves and he can't deal with that. And so he actually kills the Egyptian, which is not great. He's worried about the repercussions of that, and he runs to the hills. He goes and finds himself uh, a nice shepherding family. He finds himself a wife. He settles down. He lives there for, we're told, a very long time in Bible terms. That is 40 years. It's always 40 years. A long time is 40 years. So he goes, and he's running away from from from. Egypt and from everything that he's experiencing in Egypt, and he settles down in this comfortable existence as a shepherd for a very long time, 40 years. Have you ever tried to run from something that you felt was in your bones, like this is not right? Uh, This is what uh, Moses experiences, and how did that go for you when you tried to run from something that you knew was not right? Usually it doesn't end very well for us, right? Uh, it didn't end great for Moses either because eventually, after 40 years, as he's up in the hills doing his shepherding thing, God shows up to him in a burning bush and he instructs him that he is supposed to go back to Egypt. No longer can he run from this call to be one who seeks justice and liberation. And Moses is having absolutely none of it. So here's how the story unfolds in Exodus chapter 3, 11 through 15. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh or that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He replied, surely I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you and they will serve God on this mountain. Moses said to God, if I go to the Israelites and tell them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you must say this to the Israelites. I am has sent you to me. God also said to Moses, you must say this to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever, and this is my memorial from generation to generation. So this conversation actually continues on. This, this does not satisfy Moses. He's trying everything that he can do to get out of this. He says, are you sure that I'm the right person? I'm pretty sure that I'm not the right person for this. And God says, yes, you're the right person for this. 
Moses then says, I don't, I'm supposed to speak to these people? I'm supposed to convince Pharaoh to let these people go? I don't speak very eloquently, God. And God says, I'm the one who made your mouth. I can put the right words into your mouth. I will tell you exactly what to say. If you go and say these things that I put into your mouth, it will go the way that it is supposed to go. Still, that's not good enough for Moses. And finally, he says, don't send me. Send someone else. I am not the right person. So finally, they kind of hash it out, and they come to an agreement together. It's Aaron who's going to deliver the message because Moses convinced, is convinced that he cannot do it for himself. I think it's really interesting that, that um, the problem here is not that Moses does not believe in God. It's not that Moses does not believe in this work of, uh, of justice and liberation. It's that Moses does not believe in himself. He does not think he is capable of, of doing this work. And so he's willing to leave it all behind, because not, not because he doesn't believe in God, nor he believes in, doesn't believe in the work. It's because he doesn't believe in himself. But in any case, they've hashed out the agreement. They go to Egypt. He stands before Pharaoh, he delivers the message to Aaron, and then Aaron delivers it to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, let these slaves go, and Pharaoh's not happy about this. And so Pharaoh actually ramps things up and makes things even more difficult for the Israelites, to the point where the Israelites then come to Moses and, and Aaron and say, we hope that God curses you for this. The, little, the literal thing that they say to him is, you have made our aroma stink. You have made our aroma stink to Pharaoh so that he's treating us even more harshly. So again, Moses goes back to God and says, I am not the right person for this. Why did you send me? If It would have been better for them if you had not sent me at all, to which God replies, just wait be patient. You are the right person for this. So again, they go back to Pharaoh. They give him another warning, and they say, let my people go, and if not, these, these bad things are going to happen. Pharaoh's like, not doing it, and if you know any of the story, there's then 10 plagues that get increasingly worse that make Pharaoh and the Egyptians increasingly uncomfortable to the point where finally Pharaoh and the Egyptians say, get out of here. Please leave. So Moses uh, takes the Israelites and leads them towards, towards the promised land. They reach the Reed Sea, and by the time they hit the water and aren't able to, to cross it, the Egyptians are actually, they've changed their mind, they're coming after Moses and, and the people. And then Moses does this thing that he's instructed to do. He takes his staff and he raises it over the water, and somehow the water of the Reed Sea parts. The Israelites pass over on dry ground, and then it collapses back over the Egyptians, and we're all super excited, and Moses is super excited because finally this freedom has arrived for them. Finally, they're going to be able to take it on for themselves and embrace this new freedom on the other side. Not so fast. They get to the other side. They go to this, this place called Mount Sinai, and it's on this mountain that Moses goes up to this mountain to meet God, and God on this mountain is going to tell, uh, 
tell Moses everything that he and the people are going to need to know and going to need to do when they get to the promised land in just a couple days. While he's up there, he's got these big stone tablets and God is writing the, the rules, the Ten Commandments and other rules on these, these tablets. And then Moses is going to come back down. He's going to deliver these to the people. Then they're going to go on their way and they're going to arrive in the promised land in just a couple days. Moses comes back down from the mountain and all hell is broken loose. Uh, the, the people have become impatient. They're like, Mo where's Moses? Moses must not be coming back. God must not be coming back. Well, what we should do is we should make a God for ourselves. So they take all their gold and they make this golden calf. And the one who's leading them in Aaron, who's Moses' brother, Moses isn't thrilled by this. And God's not thrilled by this. Very long story short, they clean things up, quite messy, but they, they eventually clean things up. And this seems to be just another interruption on a on a Sunday. again not so fast they get to the edge of the promised land but there's already people there and so they send in some spies to kind of see what's going on in the promised land the spies go in the spies come back and they come back with these reports of like wild stuff there are giants there they are so strong. They have these fortified cities. There's no way that we're ever going to be able to defeat these people. We should go back to Egypt. Again, Moses isn't thrilled about this, and God is not thrilled about this. And so the result is that rather than taking a couple days to leave Egypt and then make their way to the promised land, this trip was just supposed to take a couple days. It ends up taking a very long time, which in Bible terms is what? 40 years. For 40 years, they have to sit outside in the desert waiting for the opportunity to then go in. Well, if you're tracking along with Moses' age, uh, Moses was 40, and then 40 years passed when he was a shepherd, which puts him at what? 80, okay? They've now gone on this journey to the promised land, which is supposed to be a couple days, and it ends up being another 40 years. 80 plus 40 is 120, which is not looking great for him. And so he's starting to make this recognition, and God at some point explicitly said it, Moses, you have come this long way, you have done all of this stuff, and you're not going to get to enjoy any of it. And, and this is explicitly what happens. So the story, as it's wrapping up, this is the very end of the fifth book that Moses apparently wrote. Uh, this is how the story ends. Then Moses ascended from the deserts of Moab to Mount Nebo to the summit of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. The Lord showed him the whole land, He's standing up on this mountain, looking over the whole land. This is the thing that he has dedicated his entire life to. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it, but you will not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab as the Lord had said. Are you, like, are you serious, God? I have done all of this stuff for you. I didn't want to do any of it. I have come all this way. I've done these things that have been expected of me. I had this vision for what life could be like, what, what freedom and, and liberation 
could look like. And I have dwelt in this injustice and waiting all this time. You're going to bring me up to this point, and I'm never going to get to enjoy it? You've got to be kidding me. This should have been the moment of his greatest fulfillment, and yet this is the moment when like, all his dreams died right in front of him as he himself died. Have any of you ever felt that way? So the question with all of that in mind is, if, if Moses, if an older Moses, maybe the Moses standing at the top of Mount Nebo, knowing that all of his dreams that he's had for all of these years aren't going to come true, what letter might that Moses write to his younger self, and what wisdom might he even pass down to us thousands of years later? Well, I imagine that it might, letter from his older self might go something like this. Dear Moses, this is your older self writing to you. I know it's kind of awkward, but one day people will write down your life story, including your death and what happens after your death, and still insist that somehow you wrote it. So what's more awkward? The reason I'm writing is not to tell you everything that will happen to you. What fun is that? Instead, I'm writing to send you affirmation and encouragement. You have a good heart, Moses, one that cares deeply about others and about the world. Again, I won't ruin the end for you, but thousands of years from now, people will be inspired by you as a model of liberation. And one man, a world away, a man who was born into an unjust and oppressive world like you and dedicated his life to seeking justice and liberation like you, saw himself in your story. what will happen now we've got some difficult days ahead but it really doesn't matter with me now because i've been to the mountaintop i don't mind like anybody i would like to live a long life longevity has its place but i'm not concerned about that now I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not worried. Those were his last public words before being assassinated the next day. This was a man who said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. So I believe that like you, he could envision what justice and liberation would look like. And yet, like you, he must have felt the sting of not being able to be there if or when that justice and liberation arrived. But I want you to know three things, Moses. First, you don't think you are capable of leading and don't think you are the right messenger to say what needs to be said, but every voice matters in the fight for justice and liberation whether you use all the right words or not. 
Second, you have a temper and you will lose it more than once. Well, at times, unfortunate, that anger is a sign that you care. Keep getting bothered when things aren't as they should be and learn to direct those emotions in the right places. Lastly, you get frustrated and even discouraged when you don't see the change you long for in the world. These days, that, that pain and I know each other too well, but that doesn't mean they're not equal to you today as well. Maybe so.